you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Hey everyone, welcome to another Ruby Rogues podcast. I am David Kimura and today on our panel we have Catherine Myers. Hello, hello. And we have a very special guest, Vishal Tellen Gray. So okay. can you please pronounce your name because I, I don't think I did it justice at all. All right. Hello, Dave and Catherine. Hello. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself, who you work for and just some of the things that uh, you're doing. Uh, yeah, so uh, hello, my name is Vishal. Uh, I work at uh, Big Binary, like me, everybody in Big Binary works remotely. So we need not to go to office uh, every day. Uh, so we can actually work from anywhere around the world. That is really good about Big Binary. So uh, myself, I work on Ruby on Rails. From past two years, uh, I have been working at Big Binary. Besides Ruby on Rails, I also work on Kubernetes as well as a new language, which is Elm, uh, which is a strictly typed uh, front-end uh, programming language. So yeah, uh, I guess uh, that's uh, all about uh, me. Yeah, and Big Binary is pretty popular as far as uh, a lot of different blogs. So um, how many blog posts do you guys uh, publish a week or a day? Yeah, so that is a really uh, good thing to talk about. So in Big Binary, uh, basically we write about the experiences that we, uh, uh, you know, we encounter a lot of things while uh, working on the software we build at Big Binary. So sometimes uh, we write about experiences and sometimes uh, we just want to share new things that we have discovered and uh, every week uh, a lot of people have you know something to say about to the world uh, that they have learned over the week and uh, also there is one encouraging uh, uh, thing we do at big binary is uh, we have client free fridays so basically on each friday uh, we have uh, an opportunity to work on anything uh, like uh, writing blogs or contributing to, you know, uh, uh, some uh, uh, open source uh, softwares that we really care about or actually which had helped us to, you know, build our software uh, easily. Uh, so 
we have that ability or opportunity at Big Binary to uh, work on those things besides working on the you know uh, client projects or on the uh, projects which are of Big Binary itself. So yeah, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. because of these encouragements, uh, most of, I mean, many of the people working at Big Binary, uh, they produce so many, you know, useful blog posts over a week. I think a lot of companies try to emulate that and and have a big company blog post and not all succeed. So the fact that they give you time on Friday is wonderful. I'm sure a lot of companies are wondering out there how they can do this themselves. So in addition to time on Fridays, is there any other type of motivation or, or culture that adds to having uh, a lot of people submit blog posts? Right, exactly. Uh, even uh, when I was working at a uh, previous company, uh, not Big Binary, over there, they also had, uh, you know, similar uh, uh, thing that, uh, you know, I mean, they were encouraging to write blog posts on uh, Fridays. Uh, but the story was a bit different. I mean, there was, uh, instead of encouragement, uh, uh, people were feeling, uh, you know, more of a, uh, a kind of order, any, uh, uh, which means uh, that they were feeling bit uh, uh, a pressure from the top management that you have to produce blog posts. Uh, on a different, I mean, on the other hand, uh, at Big Binary, actually uh, we have, you know, uh, I mean, we have to decide whether we uh, are, uh, you know, I mean, uh, whether we can write a blog about a particular thing or not. Uh, it's up to the you know uh, us uh, at Big Binary where whether we can really write about it or not, and uh, that is I mean the, because of that uh, most of the time people uh, uh, some people actually write more than uh, one blog post uh, sometimes uh, two to three blog posts are produced uh, authored by a same uh, guy uh, many of the times. Nice. I feel like I always feel good after I write a blog post, but to me, it's not something I love to do, but it's more like how I feel about going to the gym. (laughs) (laughs) It's not something I really want to do, but I'm I'm always happy after I did it. You always understand something so much better once you've written about it. Do you have any suggestions for somebody trying to write their first blog post or, or get into blogging? Yeah, so in the show notes of this podcast, we'll, I, I'll actually, uh, you know, uh, give the link of my uh, blog posts that I have written at Big Binary's uh, blog website. So uh, when I written my first blog post, it was merely had, uh, you know, about, uh, about uh, 100 or 200 uh, words. And it was about uh, Rails basic feature, uh, which was introduced in Rails uh, version 5.2. And uh, for that, uh, I just needed to go through the pull request on the GitHub of uh, you know Rails repository, and I just needed to just just see what what was the discussion happened over there, and uh, see what made, uh, I mean, what was the first issue? I mean, why uh, the particular feature request was, you know, uh, created. 
and uh, based on what discussion that particular feature request was you know being implemented in the pull request when you you know uh, have to write your flex first blog post you just need to you know uh, understand uh, the story like how it got started and uh, how i mean what was the finishing line so that uh, so it 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 is something like you just need to you know uh, create an outline of uh, you know uh, of a story and uh, if you you know just start writing it uh, in a first draft uh, you'll see that uh, there is a, you know a great story over there and after you know two to three iterations uh, by some edits by yourself or by asking you know to review by some uh, your colleagues uh, you'll get that blog post ready to be published actually on a, on a uh, blog site so yeah i mean uh, that's how i i was able to write and publish my first blog post and if anybody is you know uh, going to start i mean going to write their first blog post uh, just you know uh, start with a simple topic a simple feature which nobody really cares about or actually uh, uh, you can actually choose a topic you uh, found useful like you know any simple feature uh, uh, which you use uh, uh, day to day or found you know something really interesting to you know speak about it so just choose that and uh, write you know some words about it some sentences about it that's it yeah yeah, I feel like a lot of people think their blog post has to change the world <laughs> in order to be, you know, worthy of of getting out on the interwebs. And I love telling people, nope, you can write about something that somebody else has already written about. I'm sure you have a different take on it. Um, you can write about something small, something that you think like matters a little bit less, but it just get it out there. Right. It just depends. I mean, some people choose to write on topics which they feel like uh, uh, it should, you know, uh, take reader to, I mean, readers should be able to, you know, spend more than, you know, half an hour to read that blog post. That is how some people feel about it. And uh, some uh, some blog posts are, you know, uh, pretty tiny. It just takes one or two minutes to, you know, go through it and reader gets an idea like i mean he learns something mm -hmm. uh, he or she learns something uh, yeah. by reading it so i love those that... posts. they're my favorite mm -hmm. right <laughs> and, and out, add a gif <laughs> <laughs> and one thing i like about big binaries blogs is that whenever there's a new rails version or a new ruby version coming out you guys really dive into like all the nitty gritties of what's coming up you know, what's changing in the next major version. So I remember last year, year before, seeing just a lot of different posts on some of the new things that Rails was bringing out. Exactly. So right. So fun part uh, about blog, uh, Big Banner's blogs, uh, I mean, Big Banner itself is uh, three, uh, I mean, among, among us, there are three people, three people which are, you know, uh, core contributors of uh, Rails itself, uh, and uh, the, I, I mean, you can actually check uh, their names in the contributor list on Rails website. So the, they are uh, 
Prathamesh, Vipul, and uh, Neeraj. So these guys, you know, uh, they, they always keep track of, you know, what's, you know, coming and what's, you know, getting dropped from the rails, uh, as well as they also keep an eye on the new features or new bugs reported uh, on the rupees bug tracker as well. And uh, because of them, uh, when we, uh, the other people working at Big Banner look at them, uh, we we really see an you know inspiration like uh, because of them we also started tracking the uh, rails uh, uh, bug tracker as well as ruby's bug tracker and because of that we are able to you know uh, write uh, uh, such kind of blog posts yeah at least you guys are a ruby workshop i would imagine following a .net bug tracker would just be insane your inbox would never stop sorry just had a throw that dig there. So that's really cool. So the whole purpose that we had you on the show today was because one of the blog posts that you had written about on the Ruby backtrace. So in Ruby 2.5, there are some interesting behaviors that are happening now that did not happen before. Do you want to dive into that? Right. So uh, recently I uh, wrote a blog post about uh, this new feature uh, which Ruby 2.5 has introduced. Uh, the feature is about uh, printing the uh, error backtrace uh, and error message in the reverse order. So let me tell about uh, uh, how the backtrace was getting printed in the previous versions of Ruby. So before Ruby 2.5, uh, whenever there is an exception, an uncaught exception, uh, the default behavior of uh, Ruby uh, to print the backtrace on the terminal uh, was something like this. Uh, so uh, you were getting, uh, you know, a back a backtrace. Uh, I mean, uh, exceptions class and then error message at the top and uh, the further lines contained uh, or you know uh, was uh, showing where in the program that exception was you know raised and after that some more lines uh, which you know uh, helps to determine uh, uh, how the cascaded calls were being made and which caused that exception to raise so that that is how exception was getting uh, exceptions backtrace was getting printed before ruby 2.5 now uh, what has changed in ruby 2.5 uh, and in later versions uh, is uh, something like this so now the exception backtrace is printed in a reverse order uh, what does it mean uh, in reverse order so in that blog post, I have you know added some examples to demonstrate that. So uh, now the exception, if you look at the backtrace which is printed on the terminal, there are two changes, uh, noticeable changes we can you know see. Uh, first change is the error message and the exception class is printed at the bottom, uh, which means it is uh, you know uh, the last line of the printed backtrace. And the second noticeable change is the, you know, uh, the stack, uh, the uh, stack also adds a frame number. 
when printing the uh, backtrace in reverse order. So this stack, uh, the frame numbers helps, uh, you know, user to understand where exactly that exception was traced. Because of this feature, now debugging is uh, a little uh, more convenient when the backtrace size is uh, quite big and cannot fit in a terminal window. So yeah. uh, the earlier what was happening, I mean, the, the OP which had requested this feature, he had, you know, posted an example wherein he was saying that uh, his terminal size was, you know, as normal, but uh, the exception backtrace was uh, really big and it wasn't fitting in his terminal. And because of that, he needed to scroll down, uh, actually scroll up too much to uh, see what exactly uh, exceptions class was and uh, what was the uh, error message basically. Because of that, it was a bit inconvenient to uh, understand uh, or you know really understand why that uh, particular program or something uh, you know uh, th why that exception was caused. And uh, after this feature, since the exception class and error message is printed at the bottom. Uh, one need not to scroll, you know, top uh, in the terminal uh, window. Uh, instead of that, one can see directly the, you know, cause behind that exception because it is already printed at the bottom. Yeah, and I think that's a huge change. One, for a lot of companies that are doing logging and stuff, that's going to change how they are handling the logs, whether it's Sumo Logic or Sentry or any one of those. So I'm sure that they're going to have to take a lot of that into account when displaying or parsing the logs. But from a developer standpoint, I mean, that's such a huge change. And it's a welcoming one too, because if you think back from other languages, whether it's C, Java, or any kind of .NET thing, it's always been the standard de facto to go from the top to the bottom with the errors. So you would always have to scroll up in your terminal if your screen wasn't big enough or if your terminal wasn't large enough to actually see what raised the exception. And even though that's not that big of a deal to just scroll up a little bit, that's still time taken away. And especially if you're prone to writing buggy code like I am, then you're going to be scrolling up a lot in your terminal. And I mean, honestly, that's just going to save a bit of time and you know, just make the overall development a bit more pleasant. Exactly. Uh, so uh, if you look at the sentiments uh, on Reddit uh, or on the feature, feature ticket itself on the Ruby's bug tracker, the sentiments are a bit, you know, mixed. Some people really like that feature uh, and some people feel, felt really annoyed uh, because of it. First thing, uh, I mean, as a developer, when you are writing software and uh, uh, when you look at the terminal, as you have said, uh, it, it you know, saves a bit time. Uh, I mean, you need not to scroll a top uh, to see the exact uh, uh, error which uh, produced that exception. Uh, and instead, uh, uh, you just need to take a look at the terminal instead of scrolling. That is really convenient. Uh, and uh, the people which are saying that they are feeling annoyed about this feature, uh, this they say about uh, the things like, uh, you know, uh, it, this feature is actually, you know, 
is not consistent. Uh, so I'll tell you uh, uh, about what exactly uh, this means. I mean, why this feature is not consistent. So uh, this feature has been uh, enabled only uh, in case the uh, standard error output device, which is STD error, uh, is unchanged and uh, uh, is a TTY, which means uh, it's a terminal. Right. So in that case, only uh, the Ruby's you know backtrace is printed in the reverse order. Otherwise, it is printed as it was you know printed before before Ruby two point five. So that is what makes people you know feel annoyed uh, because it is uh, the the uh, printed backtrace is not really consistent. It appears in reverse order sometimes. It appears in you know normal order sometimes. So. Uh, that is, you know, uh, I mean, that is what people are really, you know, are discussing about this feature. And some people are really, you know, uh, feeling uh, irritating, uh, I mean, getting irritated because of this. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, if it is in my terminal when I'm actually doing the development, then having it in the, quote, reverse or the new way is definitely useful. But if I'm looking at my logs or kind of scrolling through my logs, I think it would make sense to have it in the old standard way where uh, you're going more chronologically than you are for convenience. So I can see it both ways and the benefits of having it the way they have it. Uh, but I, I definitely agree. I can see where there might be some uprise there or some confusion as to when it does what. Right. Uh, so actually, myself, I have tested the support of this feature, and uh, I, I so uh, personally, I really like this feature because uh, when I am developing uh, on my computer, I really want to you know see the. I really like the idea of about uh, uh, seeing the error class and message at the bottom itself. Uh, earlier, I had to you know scroll up a bit. Uh, and uh, see the exact ma error message. So uh, what I tested myself is uh, with a, uh, I, I created a new Rails app and uh, uh, used Ruby 2.5 in that. And uh, the default uh, thin server actually, uh, I mean, I, I used Puma server uh, as an app server. And amazingly, I noticed that uh, the backtrace uh, which was appeared uh, in the Puma's log, uh, it was in old style, which means it wasn't in the reverse order. Uh, that was really amazing because I I I thought that uh, Puma might have you know I mean Puma might be using the Ruby's style of you know printing the backtrace of an exception, but it wasn't the case. Uh, so in case of Puma, it still prints the error backtrace in the old fashion, uh, or we can say the normal fashion so far. Also, I used uh, Minitest uh, to uh, execute the uh, you know tests for that application with the Ruby 2.5 version. And uh, it printed the exception messages in the reverse style as expected. So, because Minitest is part of you know uh, uh, Ruby uh, core itself, so we can understand that uh, 
many tests must be you know delegating the exception printing logic to ruby itself so that wasn't uh, uh, i mean that was as expected in case of rspec uh, which is another testing library uh, used in ruby uh, and is really popular popular so rspec was still uh, printing the exception messages in the old style uh, which is uh, in the top to bottom manner so that was also uh, another uh, you know i was really amazed about it because rspec and puma these are the you know two gems popular gems used by people but uh, they still use the old style of printing the backtrace yeah i i think uh, I mean, that, that was my findings about uh, this feature. I mean, how Ruby and its core packages or gems use it and uh, uh, how other th popular third-party gems, uh, you know, uh, uh, have, you know, implemented this feature. That's great. I wonder if um, RSpec and Puma have any plans to go along with this, this change at all in the future. No clue. Right. Even I don't think uh, Aspect would, you know, integrate this feature uh, down the line. So Vishal, you also wrote about um, the full message method from the exception class in your blog post. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that and how that is changing in 2.5? Right. So uh, as we have been discussing about how Ruby 2.5 prints the exception message uh, in the top to bottom, uh, sorry, I mean, uh, bottom to top manner or in the reverse uh, manner, people uh, were, you know, annoyed about that feature. So, and some people really liked about it, right? Uh, but still, uh, and uh, since this feature is only enabled uh, when uh, STDR is uh, a TTY and is unchanged. Uh, that means uh, if it is uh, if it is not attached to uh, something like a file object, uh, then this feature is enabled uh, by default. And there is no another way to you know uh, disable it or enable it uh, in the uh, if, if that criteria doesn't match. So uh, some people really wanted to make use of this, uh, I mean, uh, to print the similar uh, backtrace, uh, the way uh, this feature, you know, prints. And for that, uh, Ruby 2.5 has added uh, uh, an additional method, which is full message on the exception class. So what that full message method does is basically it prints in the same I mean, it uses the same format to print the backtrace, uh, and uh, the format is like uh, it prints the frames in the reverse order, as well as the uh, exceptions class and then exception message uh, at the bottom. So, if in case in Aspect or in Puma or in any other gem, if this feature is not enabled or uh, if logs are being redirected to another file, uh, a log file, where uh, you know uh, we have attached a file object to the STDR 
uh, in that case we might i mean someone might want to you know uh, use the same format consistently like uh, what uh, that uses sees on uh, her terminal uh, as well as uh, what uh, she sees in the uh, you know log file uh, and in that case that user can you know use this exception dot full message uh, to use the same formatting to print the exception in the back uh, in the you know reverse order so uh, i think uh, yeah i mean that's uh, uh, that is all about that method uh, nothing really fancy over there uh, just you know uh, in case uh, someone is uh, uh, wanting to make use of the uh, formatting uh, which has been used to print the backtrace in ruby 2.5 they can you know take a look at uh, the exception uh, full message method that sounds exceptional <laughs> sorry i've been waiting to make that joke for at least the past three minutes <laughs> <laughs> hey vishal this is eric berry i am sorry i'm late on the podcast it's really great to meet you hey do you know if this data that's going to be that's going to be coming out of the full message is going to be included then on all of those uh third party uh third party air tracking tools such as uh such as uh um, roll bar or sentry or or those types yes actually uh, so uh, whenever we are catching an exception uh, explicitly right uh, whenever there is an exception handling logic or there we can uh, we already have the exception object and on that exception object we can you know call this full message method and we will uh, if we print that uh, even if it is not a uh, even if stdr is not a tty and is changed like we are writing uh, logs to uh, an external file even in that case uh, with this full message method we will get the uh, you know format which prints exceptions backtrace in the reverse order so that can be done and in every other gem like sentry or rollbar or honey badger or you know uh, uh, in the conventional rails dot logger uh, uh, rails dot info dot logger, uh, we can uh, make use of this uh, full message method. That's great. Have you has that made a big difference for you so far? Uh, yeah. Uh, so so far, I have been using uh, uh, custom formatting uh, uh, whenever I have to handle an exception explicitly. Uh, so, for example, I make use of AWS SDK uh, for Ruby, and over there, uh, sometimes I need to ignore some exceptions raised by that SDK. In that case, I just add an expl explicit uh, exception handling logic for particular error classes. Uh, and over there, until now, what I was doing uh, is using rails.logger, uh, I was printing errors class, then exceptions uh, message, and then joining backtrace array uh, using you know, a new line character. That, that is how I was doing uh, so far. But with this full message, you just need to you know, eat exception dot full message. Uh, you have to do that, and uh, you will get a you know, fancy formatted 
exception uh, in the, in your logs. That is my story so far. I mean, I am really in love with this uh, uh, new formatting of the exception uh, backtrace printing. Very cool. Was there anything else that we want to add to the conversation or should we move on to picks? I think I have that. That's all about it. Yeah, we can move to the picks. All right. Well, Vishal, if people want to get a hold of you or see what you're doing online, where should they go? Yes. Uh, so uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my handle is uh, Suruat. It is spelled as S-U-R-U-W-A-T. Uh, you can, you know, find me over there on Twitter. I'm also on GitHub. Uh, so my GitHub handle is Vishal Telangre. I'll, I'll post the links in the show notes of the, this podcast so people can, you know, fire, check it out. Great. Thank you, Vishal. Uh, so let's move on to some picks here. For you, the listeners of Ruby Rogues, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, uh, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Uh, Eric, what are your picks for this week? I, I have a sad story to tell is my Uh-oh. pick. Um, and and it, it has a happy ending, so we're okay with that. But a couple of days ago, um, my computer, I have the MacBook Pro top-of-the-line 13-inch latest release with that butterfly keyboard. And for about six months, um, that N key, my N key wouldn't work. And I've tried every single thing I could. And then I thought, okay, well, the computer also slowly started going slower and slower and slower. So I just thought, okay, I have a lemon. So I took it in and um, they, uh, so they, they, they took it and I went over to, I was like, you know, I'm done with you, Apple. So I went over to the Microsoft store in the mall and I bought myself a top of the line um, Surface Book 2. And I, I, I knew about the new Ubuntu uh, subsystem on it. I took it home. I got it all set up to develop. I was actually able to develop on it. But as great as that hardware is, Windows is terrible. It's a terrible experience in comparison to the cleanliness of iOS or of OS X. And it was just kind of, you had to like hurdle through every tiny little bit. And so... And so what I decided to do was I, I took that back the next day and the guy was really sad because I told him I was going to use it for programming and it didn't work. Then I went right back over to Apple and I said, hey guys, I, I need another laptop. And so I bought myself another laptop and so far it's great, but you know, uh, it'll be quite terrible if, if, a, if a particle of dust gets under my keyboard and it costs $500 to repair. I'm kind of hoping against that, but yeah, there we are. That's my pick is... Um, 
is um, the developer's uh, requ- the developer conundrum of only having one really good option to develop on. Yeah, that's not so fun. Mm-mm. It'd be great if we had lots of options. <laughs> okay, all right, I'll go with my picks. So my first pick is leetcode.com, L-E-E-T-C-O-D-E.com. Um, we all know that interviewing is very different from the day-to-day job you do um, every day. And it takes practice to get back in there. And I think Leak Code is a really great place to um, practice all of those interview questions that you don't really think about <laughs> every day. Um, and it's, it's got a really a lot of helpful algorithm questions and all that stuff. And they have different um, tracks that you can do, easy, medium, hard, different levels. Um, they even have tracks for different companies. Um, they've got, these are the most, you know, questioned things at Facebook, at, at Amazon, at Google and all that jazz. So I think it's a really good resource out there for someone who is interviewing. And my second pick, because we're starting into summer and basil is coming into season, my favorite thing to make ever is pesto. And you put it on top of pasta and it is the most amazing thing ever. And it reminds me of my childhood. It's what I grew up with. And, um, and a recipe by Marcella Hazan is the one that I recommend. It's incredible. You can put it, use it, use a blender to make it, or I usually use a Cuisinart to make it. Um, but now that it is summer, you need to go to the farmer's market and pick some, up some basil and make this recipe. It is amazing. You will thank me. <laughs> All right, Vishal, what are your picks for this week? Yeah, so uh, I have just one pick. Uh, So recently I uh, watched a video uh, presented by Douglas Engelbart in 1968. Uh, It was called as uh, the mother of all demos. Uh, So in that video, Douglas demonstrates uh, so many great features that too in back in 1968 uh, the features are you know something like uh, he uses a small personal computer uh, with a CRT monitor uses a mouse and a keyboard for navigation and that too with the negligible lag uh, on a uh, UI uh, on the CRT monitor he also uses a software with advanced text processing and manipulation techniques uh, similar to Emacs or Vim also, he interacts with some files uh, which has uh, dynamic linking. Uh, so uh, he was, I mean, he is able to switch between files very easily, uh, you know, hundreds of files. Uh, then he also demonstrates uh, uh, file revisions and history, something similar to, uh, I mean, something similar to Git or, you know, uh, uh, SVN, something like that. Also, the more important thing uh, uh, I really liked in that video uh, was a live collaboration between Douglas and uh, Bill English. So Bill English is one who invented uh, mouse, right? So he interacts uh, with Bill English. Uh, on, uh, uh, Bill English is, you know, uh, he's sitting uh, some miles away from uh, Douglas and both of them, you know, does a live collaboration on a file 
and uh, both of them can you know see each other they can you know talk to each other as well as uh, uh, can work on a same document a file actually basically they can you know edit and see mouse or mouse pointer of each other so everything is you know a real live collaboration that we are using today i mean most of the features are still you know uh, uh, just coming out uh, but uh, i i really like that in 1968 uh, when there was um, no mac macintosh or no windows at that time uh, he was able to you know present uh, that demonstration and because of that uh, uh, that presentation is called as the mother of all demos so yeah i'll post the link uh, uh, to that video on youtube uh, so we can add it in the show notes and uh, uh, one can also check out uh, the same uh, i mean uh, on wikipedia about uh, the same uh, presentation so yeah that's it from my side great thank you so cool. much Vishal. dave do you have some picks you know i tried to come up with some but i really didn't have any for today so i'm going to just pick the generic power tools you know power tools are a lot of fun i've i've been using them a lot lately uh specifically and here's here's my pick 20 gallon air compressor from Husky. The thing is amazing. Uh, we use it all the time now. So we got this blow up pool in our backyard and I just ran my air hose out there and just plugged it right in and blew up that thing in uh, under a minute. So air compressors are awesome. So are you inviting us all to a pool party? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's a kiddie pool. So if you have kids, we have a kiddie pool party. <laughs> I can fit in. I'll make it happen. <laughs> all right. Well, Vishal, thank you for joining us today. It was a lot of fun talks. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks. Uh, I, I really liked, uh, you know, uh, having conversation with you all. Uh, it was really fun. Thanks, Vishal. Cool. All right. We'll talk to you all later. Right, see ya. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.